1: Welcome to Dr. Mara and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpel.com. And today is Sunday, July the 24th, 2022. And I'm psychologist Dr. Mara And we are back. We're live from sweltering Austin, Texas, with another great program after our two-month hiatus from the show. And Art Mendoza, the Complotent Entertainment producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from New York City once again by author and human rights LGBTQ plus advocate, Michael Caputo. And this time, Michael is back to discuss his second book, Chameleon, a memoir, which vividly describes his journey of coming out and living authentically. And also, later in the program, Minerva and Ruben are back from Bay of as Mexico, to take us on another trip to another Mexico destination. And along the way, I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts about living a passionate life, Um, after my five-week vacation, I had some thoughts come to me about living passionately that I hope that I can remember now that I'm back to work. And after the show, you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links that my guests speaks about on the program. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio. That's B L O G dot com slash your golden years. And you can also find it on Apple Podcasts as soon as five minutes after the show. And for information from this show and previous programs and to listen to previous programs, you can go to my website Drmaricarpell.com, you can go to blogtalkradio.com dot slash your golden and all of the previous podcasts are also on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Marikarpell, Your Golden Years, for upcoming programs and events. This show is produced by Accomplis Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by a Mighty Good Wondering what to do after you're 50? How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day with others. So be more active and start connecting with other people. Go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. So we're going to take a brief break. Um, Don't go anywhere. It's going to be very brief. And when we come back, we'll be joined by author Michael Caputo to talk about his book, Chameleon, a memoir. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors.
1: And we're back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And joining us from New York City, once again, author and human rights activist Michael Caputo to talk about his latest book, Chameleon, a memoir. Welcome, Michael.
3: Hi, Mara. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Thank you for joining us. I just want to remind you um, and our listeners that when we speak like this, there's about a half a second delay. So it helps to kind of keep that in mind so we don't trip over each other. How are things going up there in New York? Everything's going good. It's warm
3: out here, hot here, too. sure it's hotter where you are, but it's, it's a beautiful yeah. day. In the 90s.
1: Yeah, I heard we're having a heat wave everywhere,
3: So the whole country. Um,
1: happy birthday, by the way.
3: Thank you. Um, Thank you, Mara. Yeah.
1: I'm so, officially so a my, senior citizen. Um, I don't believe it. I don't believe it.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the last time that you were on the show, you were talking about your book, Dear Pat Cooper, about your journey. Um, with regard to your father and at that time you told me that you were working on this new book and now that it's done I'm so happy to have you back on the program to talk about it Um, congratulations on publishing your new book Chameleon Um, so why don't we start with what led to writing this book what made you write this book
3: Okay um first of all I I named the book Chameleon a memoir I made sure I put a memoir in there because if I named the book just Chameleon and somebody asked me what the name of my book would be and I said Chameleon and they googled it they would come up with every reptile book under the sun all right. so I called <laughs> good point <laughs> good right So I called it Chameleon, a memoir, so people would know it was definitely a a title of a book about somebody's life. And the reason why I named it Chameleon, because uh, a chameleon is a very popular lizard, an old world lizard reptile Mm
0: -hmm.
3: that tends to change colors for various reasons. And one of the reasons are for protection. Sometimes it's to attract the mate, sometimes it's for temperature change, Uh, if the chameleon's too hot or too cold. But the main reason why I named my book Chameleon was because it meant uh, sort of like camouflage, protecting. And Mm -hmm. my book is basically about uh, myself uh, coming to terms with my sexual orientation. I don't want to use the terms of like coming out. It was sort of like that wasn't like one day I just decided to come out. It was a very slow process for me. It was a long process Hmm. and I felt I lived a double life uh, for a long time. Thus again, the name of my book chameleon Uh, during when I came in in my day and my day when I came out and started to go out to the clubs in New York city, I would say would be the late seventies. And, most of the eighties. That was my day, the disco era. That's when I experienced was like one of the best times of my life. But I was gay and with friends in the gay clubs in Manhattan. But then when I came home to my neighborhood, I was Michael Caputo, just a kid up the block. I was bullied. Yeah. People called me gay. They called me queer. You know, I was gay bashed when I was younger. I mean, but I to my mom, to my my family, I never came out or told them I was going to gay clubs. Um, And I kept it kind of under wraps, thinking I was the only one like that. And as I've gone through the years, I mean, here we are 45 years later or 40 years later, to realize even though we've come a long way in the LGBTQ community, that was only called the gay community in my time. We mm-hmm. still have people that are chameleons, but we have a new word for it now. We have a new word. Uh, we call those the guys that are living on the down low or on the DL. In my day, guys that were having relations with men and with women or married to women or had girlfriends and children and families, we call them closet cases. Today, the Mm -hmm. new word is on the down low uh, or the DL. So so. I wrote my experiences of coming Mm -hmm. out during that time, which was post-Stonewall, after the Stonewall riots in 1969, because I was too young to be in the clubs at that year. And this was right before the AIDS, HIV, AIDS epidemic hit. So I landed Mm -hmm. right in the clubs at a very good, safe time, and when I landed, I wasn't political or anything. I just thought that's the way it always was as far as the gay right. community in Manhattan. So
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: that's explaining the, uh, the the reason why I, I began to write my book and what the meaning of my book meant. And you could ask me another question and I could okay. elaborate
1: on that question. Okay. Yeah, I I I, you know, to me, the overall theme that was important to me was uh, the importance of living our authentic lives. Um, You know, that you you discovered who you were, and it took a while for you to be really open about it, as you mentioned. What do you think the benefit, uh, in spite of the difficulties, and you talk about the difficulties of, you know, being bullied and being harassed for being a gay man, Um, what do you think the benefits of living your authentic life have been?
3: Well, there's a certain freedom in it, uh, in in living authentically and being real. I mean, there was a time I was ashamed to say that I was Mm -hmm. gay, because when somebody called me queer, At that time, that was a derogatory word, even though the uh, newer generation want to reclaim that word. I don't know why they do, but you know, it's a new generation, the torch has been passed. I just accept it, but I speak about my time. Queer meant, you know, I didn't know what the word meant when somebody called me a queer, so I looked it up in the dictionary. You know, we couldn't go on the computer and Google something, and it meant odd or strange. And I said, Mm -hmm. why are they calling me odd or strange? I, th- I had a girlfriend. I was leading a straight life. I was intimate with my girlfriend. I felt, yeah, I was attracted to guys my age. If I was 16, 17, I was attracted to my, guys my age, even older guys, 21, 22. At that time, somebody 25 was older than me. I mean, I was attracted to guys, but I was having a very uh, serious, loving relationship with my girlfriend. And Mm -hmm. the boys that called me queer, I never seen them with any girls, but yet they still labeled me, you know, the faggot, the queer, the pansy, you know, the gay bird. I mean, I heard every word you can think of. And I really felt scared. And I didn't tell my mother because I knew my mother came from another generation. And I knew how she felt about homosexuals. She felt that they were degenerates. Most people felt that way. I never knew at that time, and I didn't find this out until probably maybe a decade ago, that we were in the medical books in the 70s before they took us out of the medical books, medical books as being a mental illness. I had mm-hmm. no clue of any of this stuff. So I was just scared. And when I finally sat down and spoke to my mother and told her that I was gay, I was already in my 40s. You know, and I always say moms have always knew. I don't know if my mother was in denial. Um, The reason why I never told her, to be honest with you, is because I knew how my mother felt about gay people. And um, I felt that maybe she wouldn't love me anymore. I mean, I truly Mm -hmm. believed that all the way up until my 40s. And that when I told her, she sat at at my dinner table there and she cried for like, Three minutes? And I went over and hugged mm-hmm. her, and I said, Ma, I thought you knew. Everybody else in the family kind of knew. She said, no. She said, but I still love you. You're my son. Mm-hmm. And it brought, tears, it brought tears to my eyes to say to myself, dear God, why didn't I do this sooner? I thought I was going to lose my mother's love. My mother loved me unconditionally. She didn't understand it. It took her a while to, to begin to understand it. And my aunt, her sister, said to her, to my mother, they called her Laurie. Laurie, he's still the same Mike. He hasn't he has, mm-hmm. has become a different person. He's still Michael, still the loving Michael that you know. He's still your son. And my mother and I never had another conversation about it. And it never got in the way of our love. But that mm-hmm. was really what held me back. I was worried about my mom. I didn't care about my father because my first book explains the relationship. He didn't care about me or anything. So I didn't care if he knew. He probably knew before my mother did. And I didn't care what he thought because he didn't give a crap about me anyway. So who cares if if it hurt him, if he thought it was weird. I didn't care what he thought. I only cared what my mother thought, to be honest with you. And uh, I now, when I, you know, even if I go on jobs, I mean, I don't wave a flag or anything. But I am not at all embarrassed, ashamed. Uh, at all to say that I am part mm-hmm. of the LGBTQ community. In fact, I'm very proud to be part of the community.
1: Mhm, mhm. So then, so it's really, giving me a freedom.
3: Um, it's giving me a freedom to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important for people to hear that, no matter what you know, what issue, what what it means for them to be authentic. Um, I think it it really. You just put your finger on it. It gives you freedom, and, and it also um, helps people to overcome any shame that they might have felt for who they are, right? Once once you're, right. you're open about who you are, you can overcome shame that's not rational at all, right, just the based thing, on what other point, people
3: say. You know, Mara, the point i got to make is, you know, I make it sound like it's so easy. You know, coming out or evolving and understanding who you are, even if you're 13 or 15, and if you're coming out and evolving who you are at 30 or 40 is a very big difference and a very dangerous thing. Because if you come out at 13 years old, 12 years old, or you know who you're different at eight, or any of those teenage years when you are a minor and living under your parents' rule, And it just so happens that you kind of know who you are and you have nobody to speak to about that. Mm
0: -hmm. Whether you're
3: being bullied or not, you're carrying that inside. And then it just so happens, Mara, that you happen to have religious parents. Now, my mother was a religious woman. She said the rosary every day. She went to church every week. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. She wasn't going to have it any other way. But they're by no means was my mother a religious fanatic? The problem mm-hmm. and the thing I worry about today and I'm saddened about is that the younger generation, and then when I'm talking about minors who are living in their parents' house, who their parents are supporting them, putting the roof over their head, feeding them, sending them to schools, they cannot mm-hmm. come out to some of their parents who are very strict with religion without their parents doing one of two things either kicking them out of the house to the curb or putting them in conversion therapy, which is not illegal in every state, uh, which is child abuse as far as I'm concerned. So those are the people I worry about. As somebody who's 25 years old and wants to come to terms with it, well, they sort of got nothing to really lose because they're all probably Mm -hmm. on their own. And even if they're living in their parents' house, and their parents are really giving them a hard time, well, they could turn around and, you know, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, they can give their parents a finger and walk out the door. But at 13 and 14, you cannot do that. And that puts the kid at a risk of committing suicide, which makes the highest yeah. rate of suicide in this country is in the LGBTQ community, and it's because of parents like that. Parents that really right. don't love unconditionally and happen to be religious fanatics. That's what I'll make a point so you, about that.
1: Do you know um, groups that are or organizations where teenagers um, in that situation yes. can get some help?
3: Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Mara, because it's a, it's a very important thing. Uh, the kids, they have access to the Internet today. And I just want to mm-hmm. mention if any child out there between the ages of 13 and 24 who are contemplating suicide or their parents have thrown them out of the house, or they're going to be put into conversion therapy and you don't want to go into conversion therapy because that will be really will ruin you for life because they try to change right. you and it can't be done. I would get in touch with the Trevor project. The Trevor Project is the only nationwide around the clock crisis and suicide prevention helpline for LGBTQ youth, 13 to 24 in the United States. This lifeline is a free and confidential service that offers trained counselors who will listen without judgment and and refer callers to supportive local organizations and groups in their area of the country. They also offer guidance and resources to parents and educators in order to foster safe Accepting and inclusive environments for all youth at home and at school. It's the Trevor Project. Their telephone number is 866 488 7386. And like I said, there is a counselor there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and they will point you in the right direction. I don't know what Excellent. to do when somebody's a minor. I, I fear for them. I don't know what their parents are going to do. I am I, uh, so dead against conversion therapy. I've seen things on TV mm-hmm. about it. I've never been through it. My mother would have never put me in, in that. she probably didn't even know what that was. Um, and uh, just to want to let the but, younger generation know, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not mentally disturbed. You are not sick. No matter what your parents say, you are not going to hell. We are all God's children. And it's your parents who have the problem, really not you. So seek help within our community, because this is something that I did not have when I was that age. You need Mm -hmm. to call them, Google, go on the internet. You have access to your telephone, get that phone, and get in touch with the Trevor Project and find people in your community who you can speak to.
1: Do they have a, um, do they have, te- do they do texting or um,
3: um,
1: emails as well? At that, I don't know. I don't know.
3: I think there are more, they speak to you on the telephone because some the people telephone. might be looking okay. for housing. And I know that the Ali Forney Center houses LGBTQ youth whose parents kicked them out of the house to the curb. Puts them mm-hmm. at danger for becoming drug addicts, uh, getting involved with sex trafficking, uh, getting murdered or killed. Uh, you know, there's a gamut of things we all we all know what can happen to a child that's kicked out of the house and can't uh, you know take care of themselves. Uh, right. The so Alley Forney? The Alley Forney. The Alley okay. Forney. Let me uh, let me Google that and get uh, get that exact spelling. I'm sure the Trevor Project would definitely give them that name, but it's the Allie Fournay, and I don't know if the younger generation know who Maud was on the Golden Girls. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, she, uh, Before she passed away, uh, she, came, she was getting chemotherapy I think someplace on the West Coast, and she came all the way to New York to donate money to the Allie Fournay Center. It's helping mm-hmm. homeless LGBTQ youth. The Ali They're based in New York City. They're the largest LGBT community center helping uh, LGBTQ youth, homeless youth in the U.S. Uh, the a- AFC both manages and develops transitional housing for its clients. They uh, help approximately 2,000 youth clients each year, primarily between the ages of 16 and 24. So 16, mm-hmm. definitely a minor. 24, you're an adult. So, you really don't have to listen to what your parents say. You don't have to stay in the house. You can get the hell out. I would say if you're definitely an adult, 21 or over, and your parents are acting like that, get the hell out. Get the hell away from them
1: and Mm -hmm. just deal with
3: them at a later date. But take care of yourself. Your mental health is the most important thing. If they come around in later years, they come around. If they don't, do without them.
1: So, so Michael, what I'm going to do is post the information about the Trevor Project on my yes. website post about this show. And if you can send uh-huh. me the information about Ali Fournet, I'll add that to the post as well. So people can That's look great. at that later tonight or any time after, and it'll it'll be there.
3: Right. Okay. Right. Great. My, uh, Thank you so much for that. My interest is to help the newer generation. You're welcome.
1: You're well, welcome. I, know I you're do a psychologist want to mention the... Um, mm-hmm. I do want to mention the conversion therapy, just um, for people who don't know what that is. Um, It's to try to, they use, um, uh, you know, behavioral treatments, um, like uh, negative reinforcement and punishment, I guess, to try to convert people's uh, sexual identity, their sexuality, but mm-hmm. it is considered um, untherapeutic. It first of all, it doesn't work, um, and second of all, it, it actually is uh, causes more mental health issues that, um, in doing that. And because of that, because it's considered a form of actual like torture, and um, changing people's view of their own of who they are. Um, the American Psychological Association has considered it unethical. So any psychologist with a license within the United States is actually not allowed to practice conversion therapy. So anybody who does that in states where maybe it's considered legal um, is not a psychologist, is not a clinical psychologist with a license because it is actually not considered therapeutic. So I right. just want to mention that psychologists are I, not allowed to I do that. I greatly
3: appreciate that. That's why I love your show, and I know you're a psychologist, and I know that you would explain that better than me. But the bad part about that is it's not illegal in every state, and it should be, knowing right. that, that the psychologists and the doctors know that this does more harm than good. Why is it legal in some states and, uh, you know, I just am not right. getting it, you know. Right. Well, why as, would some mother or father want to destroy is, their child?
1: Right. Anybody who is doing it is not a psychologist. <laughs> so right. That's the one thing to know. They're not a clinical psychologist with a license. And um,
3: and remember what they're doing it in the name of. So people that are not they're not psychologists exactly, but these people who are doing the conversion therapy. They're doing it in the name of religion. It all stems from religion. They're doing it because their parents are extremists in religion, mostly Christians, for sure, without a doubt in my mind. And they're doing that because they're trying to use religion as a way of bringing you back to normality so you can enter the gates of heaven by being the straight person that supposedly God created you because they don't believe that you were born that way. They think it's a deviation from, uh, you know, from uh, the way you were born. Right. um, Well, you
1: brought up an important point that um, it was actually, I think, it was even at the time that I started graduate school that the DSM, that's the diagnostic manual of diagnoses that psychologists and psychiatrists use to give diagnoses of mental illness. Um, it was actually a diagnosis. Um, But by the time I completed graduate school in 1992, it was no longer considered a Mm. mental health issue. It was no longer considered a diagnosis. So it's not even considered um, a mental illness in any way by psychologists or psychiatrists. Mm. But Um, what has just taken
3: place, which is what I'm concerned with now, And being you are in Texas, it has just taken place now, and as you can see, and everybody knows this in every aspect, they're trying to take our rights away, not only my communities. They've already taken the rights away of women with the Roe versus Wade. But in Texas, they're trying to put on the books again or an amendment. In Texas, first state doing this, back again, making homosexuality abnormal. So we're going back to the days when it used to be abnormal. Now, I'm not saying they're putting them in the medical books, but let's face it, everything starts with the planting of a seed. Nothing right. starts as a right. tree. You know what I mean? So we're going back right. in the wrong direction again. And if that takes right. root, and I, that could be very
1: dangerous. Right. And I just want to – I do want to clarify, though, that that is not the American Psychological Association or – the American Psychiatric that. Association. Oh, I'm so well they aware will, of that. Will, they do not. Yeah. No. But I No, I, I I'm do. definitely well bring...
3: aware that has nothing to do with any of the doctors. You know, has right. nothing to I... do with the doctors. It's the uh, I... it's the government. It's the it's the Christian right. Just so you know.
1: So. Okay. You know, in the okay. in the few minutes that we have left, because we could talk <laughs> about this all day. Um, yeah. Really, your book is very interesting, and I highly recommend it. Um, you know i think it's a real it's really well written and and there were a lot of points that you made in the book and and we were discussing it um just a few days ago and it made me um realize you brought up all the um the generation before you that you didn't even realize how much they had to fight for the right to be able to just live to live your life um, with the stonewall uh riots and um many of the laws that were in place that that right. didn't allow people to live who they were um and and the generation after you um no longer has to deal with the AIDS epidemic because now there's medication that mm-hmm. prevents AIDS and also treats it pretty effectively. It reminded me as well of uh, the women's movement and how, you know, generation before me fought for a lot of women's rights, and, including, um, I mean, it was a long time ago, the right to vote, but even, it was, I was just a kid when my mom um, had to have my father's name on her credit cards, and right. all of the rights that um, that came about when I was growing up that younger women didn't realize would be taken away from them. And now we're seeing those rights being chipped away. So I guess, you know, just a few minutes left, uh, I think maybe, I'd like your thoughts about how to wake people up to yep. realize that our rights are you know whatever community marginalized community you're in um
3: i uh, the rights I are like... pretty
1: fragile I mean if you see that you see that also with voting rights um right that's you know we thought that people would would be um. Would have all the freedom to vote, and now those are being chipped away. So what what can we do about that? How do we wake people up to realize, you know, that that the rights are fragile, and we need to stay on top of it and aware.
3: I think I think Mara, this is a, a great note to end on. Uh, you know, people should read my book because I'll give a, a lot of detailed things of everything that we went through. But I want the younger generation to realize that we have many pioneers in the past that they don't even know the names of. And just to mention people like Larry Kramer with the ACT UP, with the AIDS, that the, we, they were letting us die. Reagan would, didn't even mention the word AIDS until his seventh year in office. A Republican president didn't even mention it because the only people that were dying from AIDS, they called it the gay plague, were the Haitians. They blamed it on the Haitians. They didn't care about them. Why? Because they were black. They blamed it on the gay, the homosexuals. They didn't care about them because they were the perverts. Okay. Then it. Then they. Then they went to the. Uh, then they didn't, didn't mention anything because who else was dying from it? The drugs. The drug addicts. The people who were sharing needles. Before we even know that you could catch it through blood contact. So they thought the three peoples in society that. Really didn't matter in society. So everybody just turned, they turned their head against it. And I want the younger generation to know, not to get too comfortable with it because you have a pill now, prep that you could have intimate relations with somebody of the same sex and not have to worry about, even if the HIV positive, of passing it on because we didn't have a pill back then. We lost more people from the HIV AIDS epidemic than we did in the Vietnam War and nothing in the government. They didn't even mention it. They could care less if we died. We were nothing but garbage to them. I had some of the evangelicals like Anita Bryant calling the homosexual community human garbage when she was on her crusade, that she got a pie in her face on the air on TV. Most of the young Mm -hmm. people don't know of these people, Larry Kramer, Elizabeth Taylor. Does anybody even know Elizabeth Taylor was an actress? Well, she did more for the gay community, even more than an She started Amphar, which was, which was a foundation to bring more attention, so we could find more drugs. And she she uh, got together with the medical team, and she put this whole and she got a lot of money together, so they could come up with these cocktails. The younger generation to know can't sit back comfortably. You got to continue the fight. The torture has been passed. I can't be out there protesting anymore. I'm 65 years old. I'm depending on the younger younger generation. We didn't even think about mm-hmm. getting married in those days. That wasn't even an option in our days to get married. Now they're looking to take that away. What's gonna to happen to the kids that people have family right. with? You know? So <laughs> sure. get off your butts, vote for sure. You saw how they took your rights away as a woman to Roe versus Wade. Don't think they're not coming after the gay marriage. Don't think they're not coming after sodomy laws, like homosexuals are the only one that deal with sodomy don't think they're coming after contraception and i just heard on tv the other day just so everybody knows a woman in walmart okay another religious fanatic in walmart refused refused to sell condoms to a man
0: Mm -hmm. don't know if
3: he was gay or straight doesn't matter because her religious beliefs were against that so don't think they're coming after contraception so they don't want you to use contraception yet if you got get pregnant they don't want you to have an abortion, even if you're raped or, or incest, like that 10-year-old girl. They're right. taking everything away from you. So don't close your eyes. Don't even blink three times. Keep the fight going. Okay. Make a lot of noise and call out the people who are looking to take the rights from the women, from the gay people, from the African-American community. Keep what we fought for and died for. Keep it strong. Keep it going. It's your turn right. to shine in the right. light now.
1: Great point, Michael. So, so thank you. Thank you. And and so if people want to learn more about you and about your book, um, what would be the best way to do that?
3: They could go to my website, uh, com. I'm all okay. over Google, all over the Internet. They'll see both of my books. And uh, they could buy my books, my published books on on, on uh, Amazon. Uh, I'm on Kindle also. They can read a page at a time if they want and not have to read the whole book. But uh, definitely take down the Trevor Projects and do some research on the pioneers that have come before. Please don't let us lose our rights. Fight for us. I've been at the parade. I've been in this scene and I greatly appreciate Mara, the great platform. I greatly appreciate you uh, having me voice my opinion. And uh, I'm sure we've helped some people out there already.
1: I, I had hope our, so. I hope so. And yeah. I'll be posting your website and and the site for your book on my post as well. So people can go to that later and they'll find all of that there. And um, thank you, thank you, so, you much. so much. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show tonight and for your message. You're
3: very welcome. It's an honor to be on your show. Trust me. An honor. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. You have a good night. Okay.
3: Good night, Mara. Good
1: night. All right. All right. Bye bye. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com.
0: Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick Carpell and Your Golden Years, live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're joining us, um, just joining us, this is Dr. Merrick Carpell and Your Golden Years on blogtalkradio.com, and on com. And before we go to the twins in Bay of Banderas, Mexico, I just want to talk for a few minutes about some of the lessons I learned while I was away um, for almost five weeks uh, out of Texas in cooler air and away from the show and with a chance to think Um one of the main things and i'm going to i'm going to stick to this lesson for this evening and just keep it brief was that over the course of time of not being at work doing just a little bit of work while i was away which i'm very grateful that i could do that i could work a little bit remotely um spending time outdoors where the weather was was very comfortable seeing old friends, spending time with my mom, I started to feel a shift. Um, Before I left, I was very focused on work constantly. Um, It was very hot, and because of um, COVID numbers still being high, I wasn't comfortable really going indoors and spending a lot of time um, around a lot of people. So I was home a lot. And I was very focused on the news. I was focused on what was going on in the world, which is something that I think is very important. And I continue to do that. But it was the only focus. And even though I talked a lot about, being, about widening our lens so that we're not just focused on the negative things going on in the world that we can look at. Um, the beauty in the world, I wasn't really able to do that because I was stuck in the house pretty much and um, I kind of lost sight of that and I felt very stressed. And being away and being able to get out and being able to see some of the beauty in the world and reconnecting with people, I was able to... Find the balance, not ignore what's going on in the world, but find the balance of between being aware of what's happening in the world, um, being aware of things that maybe I could do from my little place in the world um, to educate people, to donate, to um find out what candidates to vote for, that sort of thing, um, at the same time as feeling joyful, feeling relaxed, and being able to enjoy life so that I could then have the more energy and um, enthusiasm to be able to help people. So I think it's really important, and I have to continue to, remind myself of of this that we 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 don't want to get tunnel vision. We don't want to get so so focused, hyper focused on negative things that we become stressed out and we're not and we become burnt out, overwhelmed and burnt out and because we can't help anybody if we're not taking care of ourselves. And you know, I've had multiple guests talk about this. Right before I left for vacation, Terry Hershey was on discussing this very thing. But I think that it's important to live it and to actually experience it to get it. And I didn't realize that I wasn't doing that until I actually got to the place where I had the opportunity to take a break and to experience joy And be able to use that energy to then come back and do things that are more effective and helping people. So, and then in returning from vacation, I I told myself that I was going to um, remember this and to continue to carry this with me into the real world. working um, and then found myself completely overwhelmed with work again in the past week and a half and um, just totally focused on that and and the heat of Texas and I know that people are feeling heat all over the country right now Um, just starting to really get to to me Um, but I just reached a point where I had to remember to take care of myself and as they say pay yourself first so i had to start prioritizing what urgently needed to be done and what what didn't need to be done right away to put that aside and take some time to relax and do something enjoyable do something restful even if we just meditate close our eyes and meditate on our breath Just focus on our breath for five minutes at different points throughout the day. If we're, if we're working, if we're involved in, in doing something that needs to be done, taking that break um, really helps us to then be able to be more effective. And even, and sometimes we have to take the, the, you know, half a day off to just focus if we can, Um, You know, I end up working uh, all weekend many times, Um, so I'm not in a job where I have a boss watching me or I have um, appointments, but I have paperwork to do on Saturday and Sunday, and I had to just decide that I'm going to do what urgently needs to be done and then relax the rest of the day. Can you do that? Are you able to do that? Um, It's really important. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to have compassion for ourselves. We need to take vacations, even mini vacations of five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Put aside some time. Wake up a little bit earlier just to spend time focusing on our breathing, focusing on something beautiful Listening to music that you enjoy, doing something that makes you feel inspired in order to then be able to be more effective and to live a more passionate life. Doing things that are meaningful with the energy and joy um, that you want to have while you're doing them. Otherwise, it's not a passionate life. So on that note, we're going to go to where people have lots of passion, um, Mexico, and first we're going to start with a little music from Art, our producer, and take a little Mexican trip.
0: so high down shows a man where to fish. Watch me send it. he lies in his hammock, teach his stories how to live, and he knows how to live. the thunder high in that mountain watch the clouds rolling in Senorita they dance on that shoreline making plans for that kiss and they know how to kiss they say that we're one hour behind but the Senorita To keep us in time, that part BCT just flows through my mind. It takes me back to my place, Punta Mita time.
1: Hola, Minerva and Ruben, how are you all doing? Thing is
4: good
1: thing. How's everything going with the virus over there?
4: Uh, we're doing well. There hasn't been any cases around us. That's good.
1: Oh, that's very good. Great. So where will you be taking us today?
2: Guadalajara.
1: All right. Take us away.
2: Guadalajara is a city in western Mexico. It's known for tequila and mariachi music. With born in the state of Jalisco, where Guadalajara is the capital. Guadalajara's historic center is dotted with colonial plazas and landmarks such as the Neoclassical Teatro de Bolívar and the Cathedral with twin gold spires. The Palacio de Gobierno houses famous morals by painter José Clemente Orozco.
4: Guadalajara is in the mountains, and the elevation is about 5,000 feet. Because of this, the weather is always mild and very seldom hot. There is a population of around 1,500,000 people. Tlaquepaque is also the artist district of Guadalajara, where many artists show their work. Also, there is a famous lake. Chapala, where people ride on flower-framed pangas on the lake.
2: Guadalajara was founded on 14 February, 1542, by Cristóbal Doñote. A Basque Conquistador, Guadalajara is the 10th largest metropolitan area in Latin America, and a major Latin American vintage hub and financial center. It is one of the most productive and globally competitive cities in the world.
4: Guadalajara has so many things to do, from restaurants, fiestas, museums, and book fairs, and is considered a medium-safe ground because of the cartels in Mexico. Still, if you stay in groups and follow the kids, you will have a great time, well,
1: that was great. Um, I think that's where Art stays overnight when he goes down to Vallarta and Punta Mita. Well, we'll be talking again soon. Stay safe, Ruben and Minerva.
0: Until next time. Adios.
1: Adios. All right. I, I feel like going there right now. <laughs> um So we have come to the end of another program, and before we go, I want to let you know what's coming up next week, uh, July 31st. We'll be back with another live show from Austin, Texas, and we'll be joined from L.A. by sex and intimacy coach and author of the book, Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve, and that will be Zoe Kors. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this program, get those links and phone numbers that we talked about, go to my website and all of that will be posted along with the podcast later tonight. So that's at Dr. And you can also hear this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog B L O G TalkRadio com slash your golden years. And you can also find it on Apple Podcasts in five minutes. Again, remember to follow me on Facebook for upcoming shows and events, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. And thank you to my guests, Michael Caputo, Minerva, and Ruben in Bay of Bendadas, Mexico. And thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. (laughs)
0: Walk. Ain't got no place to fly. Feeling like like a thief that's in the sun, ain't got no place to hide. And I don't know how I can take if I turn around to find you gone. Walk without an arm, I just can't tell the time Feeling like, like a word that's out of place I just can't seem to rhyme Yeah, poet and you know, you will be the first one to tell you And I don't know how high I can take If I turn around to find you gone Why ain't you gone away. Let's go.
2: Any guidance offered by Doctor Carpel is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show.
0: Here in Texas, we work hard, just like our Holtcat cat equipment. It delivers 100% confidence every day. And now it comes with 0% financing. So you can tackle any job with savings on cat track loaders, mini excavators, and more. All with zero down and 0% financing for 48 months. Plus up to a $500 credit towards an Iron Pro
2: Assurance plan. Offer ends on December 30th. Visit hulkcat.com save now.
1: Lariat and Liberty Hill, a master-planned family community with new
0: homes from the 300s, miles of trails, a lake, dog park, future amenity center, and
1: more. Models now open. Lariat invites you to get back to the basics. Visit LariatLibertyHill.com.